Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Um eine Aufnahme. Spanien und Sitzung des X. Ruminations, 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. That was Sun to Sun by Anna and Elizabeth. And before that, we heard from Mama's Broke with Dirty mattress, Mattresses. Sorry. Hello, how are you going? Uh, you're with Kelly and Spike on Ruminations. We're 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program, which means that everybody involved in the show has been homeless at some stage of their lives or is currently still homeless. So it's Anzac Day, uh, 2019 Anzac Day, public holiday for most people out there. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM. Uh, We're streaming on 3cr.org.au and you can also listen back to uh, every 3CR program, including this one at the website 3cr.org.au and you'll find all the programs listed there and most programs also do podcasts. Uh, yeah, so thanks for your company. We're going to talk about a few issues today that have uh, come across us in the past uh, fortnight to do with homelessness and related issues. We often also talk a lot about uh, public housing too on the program and we'll be doing that today. 
Um, we might uh, touch on um, homelessness and, and war and have a little discussion on uh, what that means. Uh, we'll talk about a, 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 an a iconic uh, public housing estate that's currently in the midst of demolition in Perth, Western Australia. Um, we'll provide an update on the... Uh, uh, the public meeting, uh, the aftermath of the public meeting that was held um, in a Richmond, uh, North Richmond pub a couple of weeks ago about the MSER, that's the medically supervised injecting room in North Richmond and uh, what's underway over in that area. And I'd also like to um, mention something about um, the Notre Dame fire and um, uh, the backlash that came about um, when suddenly there was all these massive millions of euros um, um, offered by uh, business people to rebuild the church. So we'll talk about those things and play some, uh, hopefully some nice music as well. Um, I'd just like to welcome my uh, co-host, Spike. Hey, how are you going? I'm... I'm okay. It's pretty qu- pretty quiet getting into the station today. Uh, it, it's it's a really loaded day. It's an incredibly loaded day, the Anzac Day. Um, I I really struggle with this day as this um, sort of a commemoration of a battle and war and conflict and the Australian identity and sort of, yeah, it was, you know, going just on reflection, remembering how this Anzac Day was discussed as now, I mean, my fifties as a school kid, um, learning that this was, you know, Anzac was the time that, uh, the Australian identity was, um, uh, was formed and established in the heat of battle and it's an incredibly negative, uh, I find it to be an incredibly negative, uh, uh, reactionary, um, sort of imperialistic, um, sort of, cel- not necessarily ce- celebra- it's not a celebration, but commemoration or a sort of a respect, a respect for all those sorts of values. Um, so yeah, I, I find it an incredibly loaded day and I find it quite depressing because it leaves out a whole bunch of the rest of the community that suffers as the result of war um, or is directly impacted by, by, by conflict itself. And we, there's not a lot of discussion about that on a day like today. It's very much a narrow um, discussion about um, this, thing, this thing called mateship. And I suppose if, when, you're going, um, when you're going off to fight in a conflict, if you don't have the support of the person next to you, um, uh, yeah, it, I understand why it's celebrated, but I also struggle with the notion that we don't, it's, not, it's not a holistic uh, view of the impact of war on, on, on people who don't want to participate, who, who, who don't feel that it's appropriate that it's morally, perhaps morally wrong to go and fight for uh, a system, for an imperial, uh, which at the time was a British, the British Empire. So, yeah. World War I, yes. certainly. Well, the empire was, be- was beginning its decline, but it was still an empire at the time. You know? So, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm not a great fan. I guess we were talking uh, off air before we came on, on air, 
and we were reflecting on the day and um, how it relates to our show here about homelessness and um, yeah, thinking about just war in general and um, how it's going on all over the world and how human beings have always torn each other apart. Yeah. And uh, all the people, uh, you know, languishing on Manus Island and other detention centres who have fled wars that Australia has been a part of. And what about them? You know, they're not recognised. And the impact on their lives. You know, people that have have had actually no say in the, in making these sort of decisions are directly impacted by decisions made in a cabinet or in a parliament somewhere. Uh, or perhaps even supported by corporations who make a hell of a lot of money, people that sell arms, that sell oil, uh, miners that sell steel. It's a boom for those sorts of, of, of people and institutions, you know, establishment institutions. What we don't hear is the impact. Well, we should be, we should be hearing about the, the impact that that has on communities. Communities, whether they be housed, especially for people who aren't housed or are insecurely housed or at risk of not having any shelter at all, um, yeah, it's it's a it's an incredible. I mean, to unpack all that was get, it would take longer than an hour. You know, you could do a show, you could do a show for the rest of the year on these sorts of issues on on um, dominant culture and maybe not today in general but the, the celebration of war and and the, the how we're basically forced to respect you know i i you're shamed if you're you, shamed that's right if you that's right if you could question anzac day and the example of last year the young lady the young woman who who made the post about the the uh, the parallels between what happens in palestine and the impact of conflict and uh, uh, the appropriation of Palestine and uh, and the, the Palestinian people losing losing all their land, um, and that we should be talking about these things if 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 it's a genuine reflection of not not a celebration of war but a reflection of the impact of war, we should be discussing these issues. She was shamed out of Australia. She didn't feel safe here. And I'm sorry, and I should, I, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry, but she's a, Yasmin, that's right. She's an ABC a commentator who's an incredibly vivacious, um, intelligent. Um, so I, I don't think she went out of her way. My impression was that she wasn't, didn't go out of her way to necessarily offend anyone, but I, it was an incredibly valid um, and valuable uh, That's right. I think so, and contribution to this whole discussion about what what it means to be, uh, you know, what it means to be uh, Australian. Australian and actually a citizen of the world, mm. and and the impact on internally displaced people from wars, um, ethnic cleansing, the impact it has on on women, minorities, and people that aren't part of of the, the sort of the power structure, mm. but uh, that people who are subject to. The decisions made by the power structure. So yeah, I it's yeah today's. I'm really conflicted. I'm actually, I'm not. I'm actually really clear that I think it's uh, it's offensive in in a lot of ways. I have I struggle, and that's not to say that I've got a problem with the the people who who went off, you know, believing it was their duty, because as we'll probably talk as we'll talk about later, we live in. 
a culture that's been created and it's our a values. manipulated day, Spike, yeah. isn't it? I mean, there's so many days or periods of Australian history that are are important just as much, and they're not. We don't have a, a national public holiday. We don't for have those. a Marbo Day. That's right. Do we don't. We don't. I mean, we there may be a day that's celebrated, but it's not a pub. It's not a public holiday. And kids aren't aren't talk aren't educated about the impact the importance of Marbo or Frontier Wars. Frontier Wars or the strike, you know, the Stockman strike in the seventies. These are the sorts of things that we should be discussing. You know, the struggle for women's rights, the vote for the people that wanted the vote. Um, these issues aren't discussed, and it's the fact that where we have a public holiday and um, for. Uh, basically a slaughter, a, a slaughter of young people directed by London. Um, it's an indication of who, who makes these, de- of who the decision makers are and who's subject to them. And I guess I uh, don't want to go on with this too much further. We've got other things to talk about. I guess we were also talking off air about um, just reflecting on uh, what people went through that were back here at home during the during the wars and um, the, how there was no pension, there was no social security system and um, people probably relied on, um, helped each other out a lot more in community. And that's where organisations like the Salvation Army... The charities that's were right, important. So-called, yeah, charities. And that's rather than there being a, a dedicated program to support people who were, having, who were struggling at the time, it was left to handouts which is an indictment on our community. You know, we, we should be supporting each other in a much more uh, um, coordinated and, and, and we should be ce- and celebrating that support for each other. Instead, what we had was people waiting in, in soup lines or in, in, uh, you know, in queues waiting to get fed. And isn't it the case too that um, because of wars, that's when the whole social welfare system came in into being, and return servicemen, public housing public was housing. built for them that's and right. their families. And that's now right. we're seeing the disintegration of that. That's right. And people once again are lining up uh, at the food van. That's right. And we're seeing it today. Nothing, and not a lot's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go. Anyone can walk um, through. Go down Elizabeth Street. Victoria Market on, on on just about any night or anywhere in the suburbs where, you know, uh, org- organisations like it's it's left to so-called charities. There there isn't um, a dedicated, coherent, coordinated program to support people who are, um, are, f- are, are facing difficulties or challenges. It's it's um, f- organisations like Vince Saint Vincent de Paul or. The Salvos are given an incredible amount of social capital and funding, by the way, and they pay no tax. They manage a lot of human services. They're actually given properties by the government. Yes. You know, properties owned by us, paid for by our, our taxes, and, and they're given to, or yeah, given to um, uh, sectarian organisations that have um, Christian values, and we can. That's a, that's another discussion that. Rather than sort of a humanist, rather than having a humanist approach, it's very much a Christian approach. And let's and let's remember that you know a lot. Um, the chaplains go off with the soldiers to war. There there wasn't apart from the the uh, uh, the people that there was a, there's a Christian sect that is anti-war, like the Quakers. 
organized Christianity it was very much in support of 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 conf, of war. Then you don't hear a lot of criticism by the established church um, of of uh, war in international conflict. And as as we pointed to earlier, uh, as we discussed earlier, a huge amount of resources and energy went into goes into supporting these battles because it's a boon for um, free enterprise. And if you would like to hear uh, the perspectives of people who uh, who are refugees in Australia, we have a number of programs here um, on 3CR that you can uh, tune into to hear that. Uh, one of them is Refugee uh, Radio, and you can look up on the 3CR website for more information at 3cr.org.au. Uh, you're listening to Ruminations, 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program with Kelly and Spike, and we'll be back in a moment. Join Self for Justice Launch and Parallel from 10 a.m. on Saturday, 4th of May, on St. Kilda Beach, Bunurong Country. Manus, here we come. Bring your own flotation devices to Parallel or join a day sale from St. Kilda to Sandringham. Wake up, wake up, it's time for action. 11 a.m., Original Nations Passport Ceremony. 12 p.m., Barbecue and Yarn. 1 p.m. music, 2 p.m. lunch and pedal out, 3 to 4 p.m. more music. This event takes place on the stolen territory of Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never ceded. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, 4th of May, on St. Kilda Beach. For more information, go to saleforjustice.org. Sale number 4, justice.org. Self for Justice is a Tricia supporter. Tell the world that we love her. And we're back. Okay, uh, okay. So we, the second thing we'd like to have a bit of a discussion about today is um, contractors, cleaning contractors. Excuse me. And. How public pub, in, on public housing estates that that have become it's become a, a bit of a cash cow for private businesses. So we have public housing estates that are established with our money, and as we said earlier, uh, many of these the, the beginning the genesis of public housing they were established to provide housing for people that have come come back from um, well ostensibly the Second World War. That's when it began. So once once the the state government started walking back from its responsibilities to these public housing estates to for their maintenance and just and their hygiene and their upkeep the people that filled that breach were private contractors and in 2007 a mob um uh was given this was given a contract, and these are worth millions of dollars. Yeah, millions of our dollars. That's right. We have no, and we have no say in deciding who 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 these people are going to be, and um, and there was a murder. There was a, a murder that was never resolved on on public housing estate in South Melbourne, and so this is where all this information's come out of. People that live on public housing estates can tell you. Um, and we live on one, and I live on one, and many other people live on one. They can tell you that the the, the 
the cleanliness or the hygienic conditions on many estates is not great. Of the public, public areas. Yes, the public, you know, like the laundry, the corridors, um, stairway, stairwells. Streets. Streets. With rubbish. The parks. Rubbish. You know, it's not – and people in sort of in the surrounding areas use, and I can tell you from experience, they use our estate to dump their, dump their crap. Many people that uh, own their properties or renters in, in surrounding areas use public housing estates to dump their shit, they dump their stuff. They dump the stuff that they no longer want. They find they feel it's too hard for them to make a phone call to the council to get their hard, hard rubbish sort of taken away. So they just dump it late at night on public housing estates, which is an absolute, it's offensive and it just shows you the lack of respect that we have in general for each other in the community. They, they feel that people, on, it just seems that there's a view or a prejudice within the general community, that, or sort of actually a chauvinism, that people that live on public housing estates are, some, are somehow less than. And this, 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 this view filters into these contractors and they've been doing a crappy job for a very long time. This has come to the fore because, as I mentioned earlier, this, uh, an unresolved murder that happened on a South Melbourne estate. Once, when the, uh, the publicity around that issue became sort of heated, it became a political issue. So the, Liberal, the state Liberal Party wasn't responding to the concerns of tenants about the cleanliness of the public housing estates. What they, what they were responding to was when the media started taking you know, footage of these estates and, and, and the reporters were reporting from Channel 10 or Channel 9, in the background they could see the, the supermarket trolleys full of sort of junk, um, it became the, and the Liberal Party, the state Liberal Party decided it was going to be a political issue. And let's remember that the Liberal Party were the people that um, awarded these contracts to the private contractors in the first place in 2007. Is this the Bailey government? Uh, it's that era, right? That's that era. I can't remember who the Premier was at the time. So they, uh, for them, they conveniently forgot or maybe they didn't forget, but they, they chose not to highlight the fact that they were the people that gave out these contracts in the first place, that they decided that um, it wasn't the responsibility of the state government to look after uh, public housing properties. And so they awarded these million-dollar contracts to, to these cleaning contractors. Once it, be- it became clear in the media from these reports of the murders, when reporting on the murders that these that these estates were not, Hadn't, weren't cleaned and, and um, there, there, people were noticing, you know, people from the media were noticing spit marks on the walls and in corridors and the laundries weren't clean. Then we had, there was freedom of information sort of, um, there were, what's the word uh, for, when you make a request for freedom of information? Parliamentarians who wanted to pot the Labor government who were just continuing, continuing the contracts begun by the Liberal Party um, they wanted to make it a political issue, and and Ted Bailey came into Parliament and had this bit large photo of uh, Daniel Andrews with his arm around the owner of um, the business that that, that does they the, had the, given the contract. That's to. right, as as if it's it's like jobs for mates and all this sort of stuff. But the Liberal Party awarded the contract. Well, you know, this is this is as I said a, a bit earlier. It's, they conveniently forget or just. Because it becomes a political football, 
they used it as mm. a weapon to pot the Labour Party. So now we have a situation where, because it's a political issue, suddenly it, it, it gets into the newspapers. When, when it was a concern of the tenants, no one was listening. So uh, until it becomes uh, an issue for, for the elite, for, for the ruling class, for the political class, they make it an issue that's worthy of our concern. Now it's, it's, it's like, why aren't these contractors fulfilling their responsibilities? What, the other interesting aspect of this, of this uh, whole sort of brouhaha, <laughs> this whole sort of issue was that it was reported in The Age last week uh, by a journo, one of the, and let's remember that now The Age is, um, is owned by Channel 9. It's no longer the Fairfax mob who were, you know, look, they weren't perfect, but they were a media organisation, well, a, a new, sorry, a newspaper organisation. They, they, the Age is now owned by Channel Nine, who's much more into re, the retail sort of media business. So, okay, so that what and and. One of the inferences you can draw from that is that Channel 9 isn't really, and, and free enterprise and capitalism really isn't interested in supporting public housing estates. And, and so a lot of people that were reading The Age, the interesting thing that struck me was in the comments at the end of the article where you know, there was a criticism, well, not necessarily a criticism, but a, an observation by the journey that these contractors weren't fulfilling their responsibilities – all the comments at the end of the page was bagging the tenants. So the tenants that who I'm sure and 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 I've been whinging about the state of our estate for for years or not years months, no one was listening to them. As soon as it became a political issue, um, uh, that the as soon as the freedom of information requests began and and Liberal Party wanted to make decided to make it a political issue. It, be, it got into the newspapers, and then we saw all the comments at the end of the article potting the, the tenants. The tenants who, in many instances, are actually doing the cleaning for these contractors yeah. to try and make it livable. All, if anyone who wants to have a look at the article, um, it's called Lucrative Public Housing Cleaning Contracts Extended Despite Fines, and it was in the age on April 21st. Have a look at the comments and ev- and. 90% of them are potting the tenants. So we're going after the people who, who uh, you know, um, are trying to keep down a job, trying, uh, dodging Centrelink, job network people. They have families. They have, may have they've got their own lives to sort of manage. That's why we have these cleaning contractors so they can look after the hygiene and the cleanliness of these estates. Everyone's bagged or the, the sort of the, the intelligentsia in Melbourne has gone after the tenants and saying that they should do a better job to look after uh, to look after the the estate and and it's again it's, it's another not even engaging with the issues of the article no it, it's it's just again it's showing that prejudice yep. against anything that isn't privately owned anything that that, that challenges private ownership or and free enterprise um is 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 uh, um, is criticised, and and you know I, I'd encourage anyone to please have a look at the comments, and with not as I said earlier, ninety percent of them are critical of, of of the people that live on the, on on the estates, and it's not their job to do the cleaning. 
those guys, this another, this other business is, has, you know, it's a multi-million dollar contract. It's their responsibility to clean these estates. They're paid for, and they're being paid with our money. They're being, they're, those contracts are paid for with taxpayer dollars. Yet, in the in the sort of the public consciousness, it's the fault of the tenants. And 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 these and these perceptions, the, these prejudices. I've, are really challenged, and I'm sure um, people wouldn't be apart too, from three CR. Well, thank goodness for three CR, and that's why, we, guys, you know, we really need your support so that we can point these things out. We can point out that that you know um, uh, the pop that popular culture is stacked against people who who. Uh, who are disadvantaged by by capitalism and and free enterprise? You're not part of the investment class or no. the, or the one percent or people on well on uh, uh, social security benefits basically are gone after. That's who they, and it's and it's always vulnerable people that are gone after. And when when they were raising their voices about the state of the, the state of the states that they lived on, they were ignored. As soon as the Liberal Party decided it was an issue, then. Then and only then, um, it became an issue, and so, you know, our our mainstream media is not responsive to the needs of the community. It doesn't reflect the views of you know the the, the ordinary person on the street. It's reflective. It reflects the views, the the prejudices, and the chauvinism of, of ruling class people of the elite. And again, it's another example that our, our culture is dominated by a minority. Our media is managed and owned and controlled by a minority. And now we have uh, what is it? Cross the cross uh, now uh, television stations are now able to buy newspapers and basically just put advertising. You know, you know the current they can advertise a current affair. You know, uh, laundry detergent rather than reflecting the needs, the wishes of taxpayers who are actually paying for these contracts. Yeah, so support your 3CR, the one of the few places in Melbourne for independent uh, critical media that gives a voice to uh, issues and uh, perspectives that you don't ordinarily hear <laughs> in the mainstream media, basically. Um, we'll be back in a moment to talk about some more issues, including uh, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame fire and the reaction uh, to that. You're listening to 3CR's uh, Ruminations Peer Homeless Issues Program with Kelly and Spike. Well, if you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, it's sure know where you are. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. We'll check out the happening vibe. We're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. What? Who the hell is that? Clap your hands. What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Get the hell out of here now. Flap it, flap it, flap it, flap it, flap it, flap it. You know who that is. You're listening to 3CR. 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 You're listening to 3CR.
and you're listening to 3CR 855 AM streaming at 3cr.org.au 3CR's peer home, peer homeless issues program ruminations with Kelly and Spike and I just wanted to touch on um, I don't know if you saw Spike the the backlash about the uh, all the um, uh, 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 donations that were offered by uh, wealthy business people um, to rebuild uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and how within 24 hours or some really short space of time like that there was millions and millions of euros offered to rebuild this supposed world It became icon. really competitive, yeah? I'm not sure about that, but the angle that I picked up on was um, – Basically, people were really uh, uh, peed off because it just goes to show you how much money there is out there yeah. in, in the world. It's not like there's a scarcity no. <laughs> of money. And, um, you know, you've probably got um, someone that's that's homeless and traumatised, you know, sleeping on the street around, around the corner from the cathedral or um, – so there's that issue, you know, the homelessness uh, crisis, um, you know, why isn't there money or will there – to do anything about that and uh, other people made the um, connection to the Grenfell uh, uh, housing, uh, the, you know, I'm trying to get my words the estate, out. The estate, the tower. The, the, the tower that went yep. on fire in the, London. The cladding. Yep, a few years ago. I was going to, I got confused because I was going to say public housing. It wasn't public housing. Community. Yeah, I think it was council housing that was privatised. Is that right? Yeah. And why wasn't something like that a, a, an icon or something to treasure? A lot yep. of people lost their lives there. Again, and that's, we've, okay, so what, 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 we're pointing to and where we're going again with this is who decides what is important. So which members of the community make the decisions that Notre Dame or Notre Dame is important and Grenfell isn't? The way, the way that these issues are, are discussed, the dominant, um, the dominant, the prevailing view is that Notre Dame as a Christian, um, a Catholic, I think it's a Catholic church, that's that's a national treasure. Uh, Grenfell was just a place where um, uh, vulnerable people or people that were, I suppose, uh, like later we'll talk about the Brownlee estate and they called it uh, a dumping ground for misfits. So who decides, who makes the call on on the way we view certain certain institutions, um, uh, buildings? Who, who makes these calls? Do we truly live in a, in a pluralist society where there's a plurality of voices that are heard? Um, is, does the media reflect the views of, of people of all of us, or is it just does it just is it just an echo chamber for people that have money? Or, or, or are in charge of the institutions that dominate our lives, and that for me is is um, the the dominant thing that comes out of the, the dominant issue that comes out of this discussion is that it's really clear, it's incredibly clear that we don't live in a democratic society. And as we discussed earlier today, this day, this this public holiday, if if has a majority of Australians, uh, is it important to all of us or to a certain section of Australians? 
or, or which section of Australians is this important to or, or the values that it represents. And we'll beat you over the head if you don't agree. Yes. And, and to the point where you have to leave. You have to leave the country because you're not being nationalistic or being respectful. Whose who's, um, definition of respectful are, are, we, are we catering to? So this is the wider discussion. It's not just the inequality of, of you know, and, and which is, it's, it's stark. The Grenfell Towers uh, represented, it's like um, a tower where they went out and bought the cheapest cladding they could find, which went up in flames and people died. People died um, and no one donated any cash to rebuild that tower, as far as I know. There was no, there was no public, well, there's a lot of, a lot of people donated um, material objects like prams and clothes and that sort of stuff, but you didn't see um, corporations or fashion houses, I heard that, not heard, I saw it reported in, in um in the newspaper that people like Gucci and... That's becoming more common these days. Did you know that these fashion houses are, are putting money in, in so-called public, quote-unquote, uh, works to get their name associated with it? This is something that happened in the past where, where people with money became patrons of the arts or, or, or they had um, libraries named after them. Like and in it's the happening, States. That's right, and it's happening again. So this paternalism that comes from, you know, people wanting to sort of have their names up in lights for the, re- you know, for, for eternity, for, for perpetuity, this is what's happening. They're, they're, they're becoming patrons of certain institutions, but, th- but they're not supporting people who are experiencing homelessness, disadvantage or, or um, system- systemic disadvantage. It's like return of the those caricatures of the fat cat capitalist in the top hats again. We used to think for a while, maybe, I don't know, that time was some time in the past. It's come back. You know, the House of Medici, you know, uh, uh, traders, merchants. We know we still we remember these names, these people and these families because their names are, are stamped on buildings, street names. Um, yeah, and so this is what's happening again. You know, you know the the idea that um, we got past th- this sort of p- paternalism um, and that we're moving into a, a brave new world where, you know, anyone, ca- anyone, everyone. Sorry, we respect everyone's, we respect everyone equally. That's not the case. What we're what we're returning to, and not that we ever went that we deviated too far from it anyway, but. What what's become really clear is that these rich families or rich institutions and corporations and, and these these sorts of yeah, these sorts of phenomena are, are, it's really clear they dominate they dominate our society they dominate our culture and they decide what is important and and who is important and and, and the values of, of our communities. So you're listening to Ruminations on 3CR, uh, uh, 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program with Kelly and Spy. I want to go on to the, the Bremley Towers issue okay. in Western Australia, but before we uh, run out of time on today's show, I just, I just did promise at the top of the show that I would make mention of the, um, the MSER, the Medically Supervised Injecting Room, and the, uh, the community meeting that was held in the All Nations Pub in North Richmond a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it on the the last show a fortnight ago um, 
Uh, yeah, it got a lot of media attention, and uh, then mm. the next, well, it it got it media got some, attention, but not a lot. Right? Yes, um, so um, that uh, uh, I've been talking to another three um, CR person here um, who does the encyclid uh, encyclopedia uh, peer drug um, harmonisation show on Sundays, and they were saying I was just speaking to them off air that the um, the centre has extended its hours. Uh, to accommodate more people um, and they've actually um, there's been building works going on down there I don't know if you've seen that spot, no I but haven't been I haven't no yeah. I haven't been so there recently so that was always meant to be a temporary space so okay. they've made, built a much bigger space can accommodate more people but apparently they instead of um, kind of spruiking that and uh, and celebrating how successful it is they've because of the the conservative media attention on it like the Herald Sun's got a petition going to close it down they've been very quiet about um, letting folks know that that's what's been going on. And um, another public meeting is going to be held by Stephen Jolly uh, on May the 15th. So if anybody's interested in att- finding out details about that, I suggest that you look up uh, Stephen Jolly on your social media uh, platform, whether that be uh, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, if you'd like to attend that meeting and see what issues are discussed. It'll be on May the 15th. It'll be a tough gig. It would be an incredibly tough gig because I, you know, from the photos that I saw, I didn't hear, I, I didn't, I haven't heard any audio from that night, but I imagine it would be a tough gig. So it'd be great if we, if there were a bunch of us could go down to support each other because the voice of people, um, should not be ashamed. We use people, people drink alcohol, people smoke pot and people, um, use heroin and ice and, you know, so it's important that people are able to do that in a safe, in a safe, hygienic and supported environment. We have nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, it, it's not as if this is a new thing. Richmond, that part of Richmond, people have been using drugs there for, for decades. It's been the thing there for decades. So, you know, anyone, if, if please get in touch with the station and let us know if you would like, because I'd like to go down there. And I think it'd be really good if we went really good. It'd be great if we went there together and in a show of solidarity to support the people down there. Because the people that are direct, living directly on the street or sleeping rough and are injecting drug users, um, they may not have the time or um, the inclination to, to, to front you know, an, angry, an angry mob of locals. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to take away from their right to be unhappy with the way things are. They need to direct their anger and energy to the right to the right areas. It's not the fault of the person on the street that things are the way they are. You know, as Kelly pointed out earlier, that, that, that meeting was held at a pub. That's a safe drinking space. So, you know, I, I, there needs to be enough energy and... Um, uh, enough energy and uh, and spirit dedicated towards saying, hang on, guys, if it's okay for you to have space where you can drink, why not have a safe space where people can can use? Because it's not just a drug issue. It's an issue of housing, health, um, food security. It, it's, it's, a, it's a multi-layered issue and it requires, and so these issues need to get brought up on the night or else we'll get trampled. So we don't have any staff at the station today, but you can oh, sorry, give I us apologize. a no. But people can uh, give us a call uh, any any time on Facebook on our page. Yeah, so um, 
So, yeah, um, at Ruminations Radio on Facebook, we have a page, uh, at Ruminations Radio. And you can also call the station on 94198377 anytime going forward and leave a message for Spike and Kelly um, at Ruminations and um, we'll get back to you. But May the 15th is the next uh, meeting scheduled. Yeah. A few weeks. So in the time we have left, let's uh, talk for a few minutes about uh, the Bramley Estate in Perth. By- the, yeah, the Bramley Estate was established. Um, look, it was an idea to to in the newspapers described as a utopian idea. So in the late sixties and early seventies, there was a there was a larger the idea to provide affordable housing for people who um, who weren't rich, who were not of of uh, means. Was a lot was more popular than what it is now. There was less stigma. There was less stigma. Well, maybe there was still a stigma, but there was more support for the idea that you know we need everyone needs to be housed. Safety net. In, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, this is we're talking about the time just before Whitlam, and so different era. It was a different era. You know, people. The you know Vietnam War. Um, and women's rights, indigenous rights, land rights, all these sorts of issues were a lot more popular than what they are now. And you, you weren't, well, I suppose you, you're probably beaten around the head for, for articulating these views, but it's, it seems neoliberalism is a lot more effective these days, 50 years later. And the state was established, uh, 450 self-contained units, so four, four towers of about 100 apartments. Um, a chemist, um, sort of cafes were established. So it was it was established to be a community for people, uh, you know, safe, again, safe, um, hygienic place where people could live, people on benefits or people, you know. On lower incomes. Lower income, sorry. I, yeah, so people on low incomes could live and be accommodated. And the idea was that this could be um, a, a place where, you know, people could, you know, bring up their kids and that sort of stuff. What what happened was that over time, because of the lack of supports that were actually – so the idea was that if you just built this physical space, that people would just live and everything would be okay. Unfortunately, that what wasn't provided was um, social supports for people like in, in, in the area. For example, um, like, for, like the safe injecting room, for example um, – Many of the people, as we know, many of the people that are in public housing, it's there's a reason why, and on in many instances, it's because people are on benefits, they they they've just been divorced or they've had some sort of health issue. So what wasn't what wasn't um, established was supports for people that were facing challenges. You know what they did put there was was a few shops and and takeaways, but there was no there was. Uh, like recreational facilities, there was no communal. Sp- I mean, apart from the open quadrangle, there were no communal spaces. So what's happened? Then so what? Side? What's happened was is that it became notorious for people committing suicide. Well, that's what that's that's the way it's reported in the, in the newspaper. You know, people commit suicide in all sorts of places. But again, this, what what this points to is the negative, um, the stigma and and the the sort of systemic. Um, a rubbishing of public housing estates. Um, we know that people commit suicide throughout throughout the state, throughout the country, throughout the world. But that that was highlighted on that estate. The crime was highlighted on that estate, um, and the violence was highlighted on that estate. 
And uh, apparently a year later, it was established in 71. In 72, uh, a U.S. Um, a US uh, academic came, came from the States with an ABC film crew, and this person predicted that it would become a ghetto. Um, unfortunately, it's, this, this, was, this represented the sort of media um, commentary around, around that public housing estate since its establishment. And what we've had is a number of articles and newspaper uh, and uh, TV sort of um, stories around how, how horrible this was. Which wasn't, and to be fair, um, what, what is important is the voices of the people that lived there and were able to have picnics and remember seeing the first Concord and the positive, the positive experiences of the people who, if, if it were not from the Brownlee Estates, would never have been housed. Would, would have lived in a shelter or crisis accommodation or emergency accommodation. Their voices weren't heard. What we what we constantly heard was the, the negative the negative stories, and that that place was um, it was boarded up maybe five years ago, and it's going to be demolished and replaced with um, an, uh, something called the Bentley Three Hundred and Sixty, which is basically um, uh, uh, like a sort of a, a mill park, sort of a new housing estate. So the point of this whole story was to be aware that. The capitalist media is never supportive of um, is never supportive of, of public housing, and that public housing needs it could be whatever we want it to be, and we just but we just can't build boxes and expect people to get on. People need an infrastructure and supports. So if they're facing if they have illnesses or they got issues that they need to deal with, they can deal with it in the local area. You've been listening to Ruminations on 3CR. Thanks for your company and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. This is Public Image. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.